You know, as a pastor, I read a lot of different articles and books just about the state of the church, um, what leadership looks like in this day and age. And, and to be honest with you, there's a lot of really discouraging stuff out there these days. Um, I've read books about how the church is disappearing. I've read books about how uh, the church just is becoming less relevant. Um, I subscribed to Christianity Today in this last month on the front page. If, if you maybe have seen that, there's an article titled, Empty Pews are an American Public Health Crisis. And in the, this article, it went on to talk about it, just the, the decline in the number of people um, that, that um, show up at church. And interestingly, they actually tied this crisis to public health. But apparently, we're on the street is that the church is not doing very good. And uh, that people are wandering away from the faith, that the church has become too divided, too irrelevant, uh, just uh, too worldly, and, and that maybe we should just give up on the church. But I really believe, and I'm convinced more than ever, that, that the church is the hope of the world. That what we have, that the light inside of us is what the world needs now more than ever. You know, if you, if you have a candle and you take that candle outside in the, the middle of a sunny day, you are not going to see the light from that candle. But what happens when you take that candle, that same candle, and you put it in a pitch black room, that the light from that candle all of a sudden is way brighter. And the darker the world gets, the more, the further away from God that the world gets, um, that, those aren't the moments for us to, to throw in the towel and go, okay, this is just, I guess we're just like becoming less relevant and disappearing. No, that's the time actually for us as a church to rise up and get that light out there because that's when it shines the brightest. Jesus actually put it like this. He said, you are the light of the world. That's what you are. You're like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. You know, it's possible for light not to affect the darkness. How you do that? You take a, a candle, and instead of putting it out there, you cover it with, with a basket, and it, it just it goes away. But you take that light out there, and what it does is it pushes the darkness back. And one of the, the main ways that we do that, one of the main ways that the church lets the world see that light is in the way that we love one another, in the way that we come together, not just in word, but in deed. And as you know, uh, the church has had a challenging time of this the last couple years, um, especially the last couple of years. Instead of love, there's division. We've been divided on everything from COVID to race to politics. On and on I could go. And it's affected our light in the exact same way that me putting a basket over the, a candle affects its light. And really, at, at the heart of this series that we're in, the series called Polarized, my desire for, for us as, as your pastor is, is to get that light burning strong again. It's to get the light burning strong again. And, and just to, to where, where there has been division, to, to, to change that and instead really be a church that, that is just all about um, love, loving one another and loving the world that's around us. And this morning what I want to do is I want to unpack a scripture that lays out just a beautiful picture of what it takes for us to be a people that's united. What it, mean, what it looks like for us to be a church that is really loving one another and caring for one another 
in, in the same way that Jesus does for us. And as I was preparing for this morning, part of me was tempted to go, okay, I'm just going to spend the whole time, I'm going to read this verse over and over and over and over again until it sticks. It's that good of, of, of a verse. And it's found in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. I'm not going to read it over and over again for the next 20 minutes, by the way. We're going to read it, and we're going to unpack it. But it goes like this. Since God shows you to be the holy people He loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds all together in perfect harmony. Other translations of the Bible say perfect unity. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body, not members of two, three, four, five different bodies, no, as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always, always be thankful. I don't know if there's another section of the Bible that sums up so beautifully and eloquently what it takes for us to live as one in a divided world. This passage of Scripture is really a game changer if we can be a church that lives this out. And there's really, there's five different character traits in this passage that, that the Scripture, it commands us to clothe ourselves with these five character traits. In, in, in other words, as followers of Jesus, he doesn't come along and say, hey, it's optional. If you want to in mercy, you can kind of muster that up, go for it. No, he comes along in, in Scripture, and God commands us, clothe yourselves in these, these five traits. Um, my three oldest kids, they spent most of their earliest years in life um, living up in northern Canada, where it, uh, throughout the, the winter time, it, it averages between minus 10 and minus 20 degrees Fahrenheit. There's snow on the ground all the time. It's freezing cold. And uh, my kids, though, they, they, when they were little, and maybe if you have kids, you can relate to this, but when they were little, they just weren't big fans of wearing clothes. They loved to just strip it all off and, and just run around with very little clothing on or no clothing on. And it didn't matter if it was the middle of the winter. They still were like, they, they would, would try to sneak out and play in the snow or whatever. Snow would be coming down. I guess there's just something about being out in the cold with little clothing on. I don't know what it is about little kids, but it's like the, thermo the thermostat in their bodies was malfunctioning or something. And so, of course, Becky and I, we love our kids, so we weren't like, hey, just go out there and do whatever if you don't feel the cold. No, we would tell them to come inside, and we would command them to clothe, our, clothe, clothe themselves because we cared about them. We loved them. We were after their good. And it's the same thing with God when he comes along to us and he says, hey, I'm commanding you to clothe yourself with these five things. He is after our good, and so he commands our, him, us to clothe ourselves. And what, what I'd like to do for a few minutes is just unpack how each of these five articles of clothing, how they bring harmony and how they bring unity in the church. So we're going to look at all five of these, and the first one is mercy. Mercy. And what exactly is mercy? Mercy is a heartfelt sympathy for the affliction and distress of others. A heartfelt sympathy for the affliction and the distress of others. Now, as we're going through these this morning, these are—we're kind of talking about this in the context of us as a church family. Like, how do we—how do we—how do we enact these, and how do we clothe ourselves with these with one another— 
but these are also very, very relevant to helping us understand how we engage with the world outside of us. How do we engage in a divided world? And the first thing is we, we clothe ourselves with, with mercy. Mercy is when you, you see that somebody who is suffering in some way, they could be lonely, they could be discouraged, they could be afraid, grieving. And what mercy does is it moves in to alleviate that suffering. One anonymous writer, he said it like this, he said, Mercy is a champion of the lowly, poor, exploited, and forgotten, and often acts on their behalf. And Scripture says, clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy. Because, you know, if, if you're hard-hearted, hard-hearted, it's really impossible to have mercy. Well, Rich, how does mercy break division and bring unity? How does, it, how does it bring us together? Well, we see how it does that in a story that Jesus told, the story of the Good Samaritan. Um, you've probably have heard this story before. It's the story of, of this guy, this, this Jewish man who was on the road to a city, and as he's traveling on this road, all of a sudden some bandits jump out from behind the rocks or whatever, and they beat this guy, and they rob this guy, and they just leave him there on the side of the road. Well, then along comes a Samaritan man down the same road. Now, two guys, one is a, a Jewish man, and the other one is a Samaritan man. And it's interesting here how in this story, Jesus very intentionally draws attention to the, the ethnicity of both these men, a Jewish man and a Samaritan man. These two groups of people were polarized. They were completely divided. They were on opposite ends of the spectrum. And to kind of help you understand just how polarized they were, think of somebody that would be on the, 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 the far left politically and somebody that would be on the far right politically, completely polarized. That's, that's these, two, these two guys. A big wall of division between them. And, and how does a Samaritan bridge the divide? Does he bridge the divide of polar, the polarization through debate? Did, did he overcome it through digging his heels in around his ideas and beliefs? Did he tear it down by just simply ignoring the wounded man on the side of the road because he was different than him? No, he overcomes the polarization by showing mercy. He sees a fellow human being, someone with worth, and he moves in and alleviates the suffering. The Bible says it like this. It says, as, as he traveled... The Samaritan man, he came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring out oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. You know, one of the biggest problems, I, I believe, in a divided world is, is that we let our differences, get this, we let our differences blind us to the worth and dignity of the person that we disagree with. We get so caught up in how that person thinks differently, believes differently, acts differently than, than we do, that we pretty soon forget that that person is, is an image bearer of God. And furthermore, we forget that just like us, they're, they're suffering in some way as well. And when you remember that the person who's different than you is, is a person who's struggling just like you. Maybe they're struggling with, 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 with loneliness, despair. I don't know what it might be. But when they have the, the same kind of struggles that you do, and you realize this, you remember that, it brings you to this place where you can show mercy towards them, the kind that bridges the divide and brings you 
brings you together. Wow, that's nice and loud. Sweet. <laughs> I, would, I wish I could get my cell phone to be that loud. I don't, I don't know. Mine doesn't go up quite that loud. But I don't hear it sometimes. It's, it's too quiet. I'll have to talk to Kim after the service and get some tips. But <laughs> um, every three or four months, every three or four months, I get together with uh, a group of pastors from all across the county. And we have this thing called, uh, it's just called Pastors Praying for Pastors. And we get together over at the Furs over there on, on uh, uh, I guess it's Lakeway, but anyways. We get together, and we get together just to pray and to have lunch together. And when we gather together, we, we are, are pastors that come from all different denominations. Remember last week I talked a little bit about how if you want to go to a church that has, like, where the pastor's wearing long black robes and jewelry and, and all that kind of stuff, sandals. This is not your church. I'm not going to dress up that way. Um, it's just not our style. Not because we, we think it's wrong, but it's just not our style. Well, there's, there's a guy that comes to this, these meetings that's dressed like that. All different backgrounds, all different, different kinds of, of beliefs, and uh, see things, just interpret the Bible differently in different places. But we come together, and when we do, there's camaraderie, there's laughter, there's unity, there's... I mean, we're worshiping and singing together. And, and, and why are we able to do that? Well, one of the big reasons is because we're all pastors, we're all leaders in the church, and we all understand how difficult it is, especially in the last couple years, being a pastor in these, these crazy times. And there's that, this, this empathy, this sympathy towards one another that we just go, okay, yeah, we're, there's some differences here, but in a lot of ways, we're, we're in the same boat. And, and it bridges the divide. Think about how different things would be in the world if rather than we see our differences and let those push us apart, we see just how much we're alike. How much we're alike. We're made in the image of God, and we let that draw us, pull us together, and we have mercy for, on one another, even in our differences. Next, we're to, the Bible says, clothe ourselves with, in kindness. Kindness is it's very similar to mercy, but where... Mercy typically flows out of sympathy for someone over their plight, their suffering. Kindness is simply the act of giving to someone whether or not they're suffering. It's just giving without expecting anything in return. And just like we see in the story of the Good Samaritan with, with the mercy, kindness offered towards someone who thinks, believes, and acts differently than you, uh, it will almost always bridge any kind of divide that might exist. I read a story this, this week um, that took place during probably one of the most divided times in modern history. Um, it took place during the apartheid in South Africa that lasted from the, the 50s all the way up to the 90s. And uh, it was a period in South Africa's history where, um, where segregation was, was institutionalized. And it was so bad, the, 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 the racism, discrimination was so bad um, that over the course of the, that period, three and a half million black Africans were removed from their homes, forcefully removed and, and put in these, these segregated neighborhoods. Totally polarized. The, the white minority, they just had um, complete domination over the black majority population. And the story was told by, some of you have heard the name Desmond Tutu. He was this black Episcopalian bishop in South Africa 
who became this kind of leading figure in the whole nonviolent struggle against apartheid. And in 1984, because of his efforts, he won the, the Nobel Prize. And at one point, he was asked to describe, okay, what were some of the things that, that shaped you into being the person that you became? And surprisingly, he told about this one really small act of kindness that made all the difference. When he was a young man, he saw a white man tip his hat to a, a black lady. Now you might go, okay, that's, that's pretty insignificant, but it was actually something that was just completely un, unheard of. And was an Episcopalian bishop. The black woman was Desmond Tutu's mom. And this small, small act, he would go on to say, this small act of kindness planted this seed in him to one day become a bishop himself and, and just led him down this path of being such a difference maker in such a divided country. Kindness can overcome even the deepest, the widest divisions out there. And there's, there's so much meanness in the world today. There really is. You don't believe me? You just got to go flip on your, your, your TV station, watch some kind of talking news head, go on your social media and just take some time scrolling through, listen to a conversation that takes place in the hallways of your school. Meanness is everywhere. And into that, Jesus calls you and me to live differently. He calls you and me to be people who clothe ourselves with kindness. Mother Teresa said it like this. She said, in this life, we're not called to do great things, only small things with great love. Small things. How can you show kindness to someone that's on the, the opposite side of the spectrum from you? Clothe yourselves in kindness, the Bible says. Next, the Bible says, clothe yourselves um, with humility. And humility is, is one of these things that's often misunderstood it's believed to be something different than what it actually is. Sometimes when we think of humility, we think of someone who just thinks lowly of themselves. They're, they demean themselves all the time. They're quiet. They're shy. Um, that's actually not what humility is. Um, the person, I, I think, who has the best definition of humility is a man named um, Andrew Murray, his pastor and author. Um, he said this, The humble person is not one who thinks meanly of himself. He simply does not think of himself at all. They just go through life thinking more about others than, than about themselves. And the opposite of humility, of course, is pride. And at the heart of most division is pride. Proud people always have to be right. Proud people think that their ideas and their opinions are the most important. And, and they love to put those ideas and, and opinions out there, whether you're interested in listening to them or not. And when those ideas and opinions are acted or are, are pushed against, they, they don't typically like that because they just know, they know what's best for everybody. And, and you can disagree with someone, but there's, there's a difference between disagreeing in a spirit of humility and a spirit of pride. Humility approaches a disagreement. It approaches a misunderstanding. It approaches some kind of division. It approaches it with, with a listening ear rather than someone just has to be out there and just get their point across. It seeks to sin sincerely want to understand where that other person is coming from. And, and this just is not common today. And just think about some of the big issues from the, the past three years. Let's just use politics, for example. If you're someone who leans more to the, 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 the left side of things, 
When was the last time that you sat down with someone who's leaning more to the, the right side of things and, and rather just tell them what, it, what you believe and why you believe that? When was the last time you just sat down with them and tried to, to listen and just understand, okay, why do you believe that? Why, why this and, and not that? And vice versa, if you're more on the right side, when was the last time you sat down with somebody that's on the left side and just tried to listen and tried to understand where, where they're coming from? With a posture, not a pride, and I got to convince them to go to my way, but just from a position of going, hey, I really want to under- understand. I don't, I don't get it. I want to understand where you're coming from. Do you see the difference? This is clothing yourself with, with humility. And what we tend to do in our world is we choose to, it's not even that we just don't want to listen to the other side. It's, it's that we tend to demonize the other side. Make them out to be evil incarnate. And what God is calling us to in Colossians, this, this verse that we read this morning, is he's saying, no, I'm, I'm calling you to do something different. I'm calling you to, to, to be people that, that walk in humility, that walk in kindness, and walk in, in mercy. Philippians 2, 3 to 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of of others. That's humility. Next, the Bible says we're to clothe ourselves with gentleness. And we're going to go through these last two here pretty quick. This goes hand in hand with humility. Like hu- humility, gentleness, again, is often misunderstood. What do you think of when you think of gentleness? You, you, we, we, think of, we think of people that are um, maybe just that, that sweet little senior citizen that's always giving out hugs and making cookies for everybody. Or we think of somebody that's soft-spoken, and, and that's what we think of when we think of gentleness. And those things maybe have to do with gentleness, but gentleness is not, not just something for the quiet and the soft-spoken. Gentleness is off, off, also for the, the, the lean, mean, hulking football player. It's, <laughs> it's, it's for everybody. And, and here's what gentleness is really all about. To be gentle is to do things in such a way that you're not burdensome, you're not harsh. Gentleness is all about how you use your strength. A parent who uses their position and of authority and strength to demean their child and, and force them to comply is not clothed in gentleness. The parent, however, on the other hand, who uses their, their strength to lovingly come alongside their child and help their child understand why what they're doing is going to hurt them, why it's wrong, why it's not God's way, that's, that's gentleness. And you can see how this plays out in a divided world. What do we want to do? We, we just want to come in. We want to assert ourselves in that situation. We want to tell the person who's on the other side, uh, just here's why we believe what we believe, and you need to believe it as well, because that, that, here's all the points of why the way you believe is wrong. That's not gentleness. And, and we just want to go on Facebook, and we just want to put our comment in there, just all caps and just put it in there. That's not gentleness. That's the opposite. God calls instead, even as we're standing firm in truth, God calls us to do so with a gentle disposition. Not harsh, not forceful, not burdensome. And then lastly, we're called to clothe ourselves with patience. David Allen, who's this author of uh, awesome books on time management, he, he described patience like this. He said, patience 
is the calm acceptance that things can happen in a different order than the one you have in mind. That's so good. So good. This calm acceptance. Not this worried, anxious acceptance. Oh, if it's, be like, if, if it's going to be in this order, then I, I guess I'll just grin and bear it and try to get through. No, this calm acceptance that things can happen in a different order than what we have in mind. We want things to happen exactly how we have planned at the exact same time. And when we're, we're standing in that express lane at the grocery store, we want everybody to have exactly no more than nine items. And they better not be planning to write a check as they're standing in that lineup. We have our order, we have our, our way, and, and they should probably in the checkout line have nine or less items, right? I mean, come on. But it's going to be exactly how we want it and, and no different. Patience says, no, it can, it can happen in a different order, and that's, that's okay. That's okay. You know, at CTK, we often talk about how when it comes to our, our discipleship journey, how the order that we have at CTK is backwards compared to what it, it's like a lot out there. You know, a lot of the church, and even to some extent um, churches I grew up in, the, the order of people's discipleship, their faith journey, it was, okay, believe um, behave on. So if you can, if you can, if you can show up and just believe what we believe, and then um, we'll we'll let you belong, and uh, and then at some point you need you need to start behaving the the right way. And as he we 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 have it flipped the the direction. The order that we go go off of is not behave, believe, belong. It's belong, believe, behave. Belong, believe. You, you can come one, come all, bring your brokenness, bring your messiness. You, you might be on the exact opposite side of whatever idea, whatever it might be. Come one, come all. Bring your questions, your doubts. You can belong. And we hope that as you, as you hang around that, that you'll get to discover this, this incredible person that we, just, we, we follow, this, this guy Jesus, and that as you get to know him, that you'll believe and that eventually you'll be, become like him. But we go, no, it's, it's not behave first and then believe and then belong. No, it's belong, believe, behave. And you might go, okay, that sounds really nice, but, but listen, that takes patience. People aren't going to grow in the timing and in the order that, that you want them to. And you're not going to grow in the timing and in the order that others want you to. I'm sure there's a spouse in the room that wants to holler amen right now, and don't do that. But you're not going to grow in the timing that others would like. And this is where patience, it comes into play. And there's this line in, in the verse that we read out of Colossians that says, it talks about how we make allowances for each other's faults. Instead of getting angry, instead of getting hurt, instead of getting cynical, instead of getting gossipy, we're like, nope, I'm going to show grace. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to treat that person like Jesus treats me instead of, of jumping all over them, whether in person or behind their back. I'm, I'm going to be like Jesus. I'm going to love them despite how they're not maybe growing in the, the timing and the order that I, I'd like them to and when you, you take all these, these, these things, this mercy and kindness and gentleness and humility and patience, and, and when we begin to clothe ourselves with these, I mean, just stop and think for a second. 
how difficult it would be for us as a church family to be divided. Yeah, we could still have our differences. We could still have our disagreements. We're not all... We're not always going to be the same and believe and think exactly the same way. We're going to have our, our disagreements. You know, we, we talked a couple weeks back about how there's some things that we hold in the closed hand and we just, we, we're going to believe these things no matter what. Jesus is God and he died for our sins, those kinds of things. But there's also the issues that are in the open hand that we're going to disagree on. But when we as a church go, okay, but even though we disagree, we're, we're still going to clothe ourselves in mercy and kindness and humility gentleness, patience, it's pretty hard to be divided. It's pretty hard to, to be divided. And as we close, I want to give you a moment to just let the Holy Spirit move in and bring some conviction today. You know, maybe you, as we're going through here, God has been just causing things to pop up. Maybe it's something that you've said over the last few weeks, months, years. Maybe it's a way that you've responded to someone who thinks differently than you. And as we've talked about these five traits, there's just this gentle voice going, that wasn't, that wasn't Christ-like. That's the, that's the Spirit of God today bringing conviction. And, and I just invite you to let God speak to you in this moment. And, and, and just for you to, to come before God and say, God, is there an area in my life where I have not been clothing myself in these areas. God, what do you, what do you want to change in me? God, where do I need to begin clothing myself differently? And as we wrap up, I'm just going to lead us in prayer and invite the Holy Spirit to speak. Heavenly Father, Lord, this is not easy to be people that clothe ourselves, God, in these five things. God, we just want to do the exact opposite. God, in our flesh, in our humanity, God, it's it's, it's so easy to be people that, that turn a blind eye, that, that rather than see others, God, who, who, are, who disagree with us, God, who think differently, rather than see them, God, as, as people who are made in the image of God, Lord, we just forget that, God, they have worth, that they have dignity, dignity that, that Jesus, God, behind whatever the idea, opinion is, God, is a person who has very similar struggles to the ones God, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to see people differently. And, and may that lead us to be people that show mercy, to be people that show kindness, to be people that, that are humble and patient with one another. Lord, help us to be a church, Lord, that, that, just, that is full of, of this kind of posture. And Lord, we can't just walk out of here and decide, God, that this is the kind of people that we're going to be. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit to help us. Lord, we come before you this morning just confessing that. Lord, I know you don't ask us to try and change ourselves. You ask us instead to abide in you and your spirit is going to cause, sorry, your spirit is going to cause the fruit to grow in us. So God, help us, I pray. Help us, I pray. And then Lord, I pray that, that Jesus uh, we would just be a people, God, that above everything else, God, we clothe ourselves in your love. And that, God, we have a love for one another that Jesus breaks down division, it breaks down walls, and causes us as your church to be like that city on a hill that God is blazing so brightly in this divided world. It, it causes us to be that light that in the middle of the darkness, 
is burning brightly for all to see. Help us to be that way, I pray. In your name, Jesus, and everybody said, Amen. Amen.